Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Jesus Stories number 20. In the last episode, we heard from Jesus the Storyteller. Today, we're going to watch Jesus the Healer. Yes, the Healer. We've already seen some glimpses of this. We watched last time as he restored a demon-possessed man back to his right mind. And in a prior episode, he raises the son of a widow back to life. And we've seen Peter's mother-in-law healed from a fever, a leper cleansed, and the paralytic who was let down through a roof and who is now walking. In this episode, Jesus will heal a girl who is thought to be dead, a woman who has suffered for years from bleeding, restore the sight of a couple of blind men, and restore speech to a man who cannot talk. He'll also make a trip home, a trip that does not go well, and he will issue some instructions, first for his apostles and then for all of us. And finally, we'll see how John the Baptist lost his life. That's all on today's Jesus Stories. You're listening to Jesus Stories, the podcast where I share the stories of Jesus in an informal, informative, and interesting way. I'm George Taylor, your storyteller. If this is your first time to find us, welcome. We're glad you're listening. I do encourage you to go back to the beginning and catch our previous episodes. I tell the story of Jesus in chronological order, or as what is best to be determined a chronological order, what happens in the prior stories helps you to understand what is happening today. This podcast is made possible because of you. It's your donations which allow me to spend the time creating, researching, writing, presenting, and producing this podcast. It's really easy to donate if you wish. If God leads you that way, just visit the website, jesusstories.info. That's jesusstories.info. Click on the Support This Podcast tab. You'll find a button there to click on to make a donation. There's even a way to set up a monthly donation for as little as a dollar a month to help cover the expenses for making this possible. When we left Jesus last time, he was on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Gerasenes. Jesus had hired a boat to go to the other side of the sea, to the Galilean side. He and his disciples probably landed at or near Capernaum, which is his second home, if you will. When they landed, a large crowd gathered around them on the shore. A local synagogue leader named Jairus came to Jesus. Jairus would have been an influential and probably well-to-do man. As the leader of the synagogue, he would be respected and be responsible for the administration of the synagogue. But Jairus is desperate. 
So he comes to Jesus, falls at his feet, and begs him, My little girl is dying. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus honors his request. The crowd follows as well. As they're walking along to the man's home, a woman who has suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding pushes through the crowd to Jesus. Now, this woman has spent everything she had with the doctors to try and get relief from her disease, but to no avail. Since she was bleeding, she would have been considered an outcast, unclean, not allowed among society. She couldn't even go to the synagogue or the temple. People weren't supposed to touch her. As I said, this woman pushes through the crowd toward Jesus. She's thinking, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. She does touch his robe, and she is healed immediately. Jesus realizes that the power is gone from him. He turns around and asks, Who touched my robe? The disciples think that this is a rather funny question. After all, he's in the middle of a big crowd of people pushing, jostling him from every direction. But he keeps looking. Finally, the woman comes up to him, falls at his feet, and fearfully tells what she has done. Jesus compassionately says to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. By the way, this is the only time in any of the accounts of Jesus' life that he calls someone daughter. Now, while Jesus is talking with the woman, a messenger comes from Jairus' house to say that the daughter has died. There's no use troubling the teacher now, they say. Jesus must have overheard the report. He turns to Jairus and says, don't be afraid. Just keep on having faith. They get to his house, Jairus's house. Jesus selects Peter, James, and John to go into the house with him. Inside, they find the professional mourners already started their task of weeping and wailing. This was a standard Jewish tradition, by the way. So Jesus goes in and asks, what is all of this? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. Well, they laugh at Jesus, but Jesus makes them all leave. He takes Jairus, his wife, and Peter, James, and John to the room of this 12-year-old girl. He takes her by the hand. By the way, touching someone who is dead would have made Jesus unclean, something which did not concern him. He takes the little girl's hand and speaks. Little girl, he says, get up. And she does. She gets up and walks around. Everyone was overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus tells them to give her something to eat and not to tell what has happened. Jesus goes on from that house. Two men who are blind follow him. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us how these men found Jesus or could follow him since they are blind. We are not told why they were blind. The Bible just tells us that two blind men are following Jesus. They're not only following, they're calling out to Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. Now, this particular address, Son of David, indicates that they know and believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They believe deeply enough to follow Jesus right into a house in which he goes. He asks them, do you believe that I can make you see? Yes, Lord, they tell him. We do. Jesus touches their eyes and says, because of your faith, it will happen. Then the men could see. 
Just like the raising of the little girl, Jesus tells these men not to tell anyone about this, but the men can't be quiet. They went out and spread his fame all over the region. Now, why would Jesus tell these people not to talk about this amazing thing that has happened to them? The next story gives us a little idea, perhaps, but basically it's because the opposition to Jesus' teaching, preaching, and miracle working is beginning to grow. Jesus is working on a heavenly timetable. It is not time for this opposition to reach its peak. As Jesus leaves the house, a demon-possessed man is brought to him. The demon didn't allow this man to speak, so Jesus throws the demon out of him, and the man is able to speak. Now, there are two reactions to this exorcism. The crowds are amazed, saying, nothing like this has ever happened in Israel. And the Pharisees, though, they have a different take. He's casting out demons, they say, because he is empowered by the prince of demons, meaning Satan, the devil. Now, with this type of opposition starting to appear, Jesus leaves this area and he decides to go home, home to his original home, Nazareth. And on the next Sabbath day, Jesus is in the synagogue teaching to the amazement of the attendees. Now, remember, this is Jesus' hometown. So these people knew Jesus. He had grown up there. He was probably a carpenter, as was Joseph, his earthly parent, and probably at one time, maybe even a business person in this town. So the town is asking, where did he get all this wisdom and power to perform such miracles? After all, he's just a carpenter. He's the son of Mary. And actually, this is an insult to say that he's the son of his mother. What they're saying is that Jesus is illegitimate. We know his family, they say. His brothers and his sisters, they live right here among us. Then the scriptures tell us they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. This tells us that they, the townspeople, thought they knew Jesus. But they only know him as a carpenter, the son of Mary, a sibling in his family. They refuse to accept that he has the capability to teach with wisdom. They've heard of his miracles, but they refuse to see them as real. Jesus repeats the proverb that he used the last time he came home. A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. The people that think they know Jesus the best know him the least. So he is not honored. This lack of faith meant that Jesus could not do many miracles, and this amazed him. Jesus leaves Nazareth to travel through the other towns and villages of Galilee. He teaches in the synagogues, announcing the good news about the kingdom. The crowds follow him. He heals diseases and illnesses. He has compassion on the crowds because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This is an image which these disciples and readers of the Gospel of Matthew would understand. Throughout the Old Testament, the followers of Jehovah God are likened to sheep. The famous 23rd Psalm starts out, The Lord is my shepherd. David, the author, is likening himself to a sheep. Isaiah invoked this image of confusion some 600 years before Jesus. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. Look at these crowds, he says. He turns to his disciples. He says, the harvest is great, but the workers 
are few. He's saying there's too much work for this one man to do. There need to be more workers. So he concludes, ask, that is, pray to the Lord to send more workers to the fields. And that is just what he does. He sends more workers. He gathers his 12 apostles together and gives them authority to throw out demons and to heal every disease and illness. Not only does he give them authority, he gives them instructions on what to do. Sending them out in pairs, he tells them to go only to the people of Israel, not to the Gentiles. Announce, as Jesus has been doing, that the kingdom of heaven is near. Verify that message, as Jesus has done, by healing the sick and raising the dead, curing leprosy, throwing out demons. Do this for everyone. But, he continues, I want you to travel light. Don't take any provisions. When you come into a town or a village, look for a worthy person with which to stay. Bless that house. But if you find that home is not worthy, then remove your blessing. If the town will not hear you out, then leave. Shake the dust from your feet as you leave. These instructions seem to apply to Jesus' apostles for this time. But Jesus is not done. From here forward, this teaching will apply to some of the future events which will affect Jesus' disciples, and that includes all of us who follow Jesus. Jesus begins with a warning. You are going into dangerous waters. You'll be like a sheep running through a wolf pack. So be smart like a snake, but inoffensive as a dove. Just beware. You're going to run into opposition. You'll be handed over to the synagogue authorities for whippings. You'll be arrested and brought before rulers and governors. But don't worry about how to defend yourselves. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to speak. He continues, A brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child. And children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. Don't imagine, he says, that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. These are rough situations to which Jesus is predicting. But, he says, this is the same treatment that he will be receiving. So he says, you, my students, don't expect to be treated any better than I am. Just be bold in your proclamations. There is only one you have to fear, and that's Jehovah God. Not those who can only destroy the body. Jehovah God can not only destroy the body, but he can destroy the soul. Think about the sparrow. It's worth just pennies. Jehovah God cares about it, but he cares even more for you. If you don't go all the way with me, through thick and thin, you don't deserve me. If your first concern is to look after yourself, you'll never find yourself. But if you forget about yourself and look to me, you'll find both yourself and me. If anyone accepts your message, then that person is accepting Jesus. If someone accepts Jesus, then they accept Jehovah God who sent Jesus. Even if someone gives a cup of water to a follower, he will be rewarded. So the apostles head out. They head out to teach, preach, heal, throw out demons, and Jesus will do the same in the towns of Galilee. With all of the teaching and healing, Jesus is becoming well-known. 
and rumors are flying. Some people are saying that John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. Others are calling him Elijah, a highly revered Old Testament prophet to the Jewish people. Others just said, well, he's a prophet, another one like the ones that they have known from their scriptures. But one of the hearers of these rumors was King Herod. He was astonished to hear this. I beheaded John the Baptist, he said. So who is this man about whom I hear such stories? And he kept trying to see Jesus. Now, we haven't heard about this incident, the beheading of John the Baptist before now. So, yes, the scriptures go back and they fill us in. Here's how it happened. Herod had married his brother's wife, Herodias. John had chastised him for this sin. So Herod threw him in prison. Herodias wanted John killed, but Herod wouldn't do that. He was afraid of John and protected him due to the fact that he was righteous and a holy man. Yet John would be called to talk with Herod, even though these conversations would disturb the king. Finally, Herodias gets her chance. It's the king's birthday. He throws a party for all his officials, his military officers, the leading citizens of Galilee, and Herodias' daughter comes in and dances for the guests. History tells us that this is Salome. She was probably a teenager dancing in a very seductive manner. This pleases Herod and his guests, and Herod turns to the girl and makes her a promise. Ask me for anything you like, and I will give it to you up to half of my kingdom. That must have been some dance. Now, Salome has no idea what to ask for, so she goes to her mother. What do I ask for, she says. Her mother says to ask for the head of John the Baptist on a tray. Instantly, Herod regrets his promise, but he couldn't refuse her in front of all his guests. So he ordered the execution of John the Baptist John's head was brought to the party on a tray and given to Salome, who took it to her mother. Now you see why Herod is perplexed. By the way, John's disciples came and took John's body away for burial. Meanwhile, the apostles return from their teaching, preaching, and healing and report to Jesus all that's been happening. Jesus suggests that they get off to be by themselves for a while. And having done this for a year or so, Jesus knows the value of alone time after doing some intensive ministry. It's so intense now that so many people are coming that they don't even have time to eat. So they leave by boat for a quiet spot. And that's where we're going to leave Jesus and his apostles for now. These Jesus stories are brought to you because of your contributions to this effort to share the stories of Jesus with the world. And yes, we are going into all the world. From the start of Jesus stories in the late December and now to the end of August, we have had over 20,000 listens in 54 countries. Now, if you'd like to see this type of teaching continue to reach the world and maybe even where you are, I invite you to visit the Jesus Stories website, that's jesusstories.info, and click on the Support This Podcast tab. A button on this page will lead you to a PayPal page for giving a donation. Uh, It could be a monthly donation or a one-time donation, and whichever it is appreciated and will be used to keep this podcast going. 
Don't forget, we're available on any podcast player. I invite you to, on your player, leave a rating and a review wherever it is that you listen. If you'll duplicate that on Apple Podcasts, it'll help folks to find us. We're also looking for your feedback on social media. Facebook and Instagram, we're known as Jesus Stories, the podcast. On Twitter, you'll find us listed as Jesus Stories Pod, or just send us an email. That's narration by George at Outlook.com. And of course, our website has the link to our YouTube channel, as well as all of the information I just gave you about Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The website is JesusStories.info, JesusStories.info. Next time, we're going to see that there is little time for Jesus and his apostles to rest. The crowds follow, Jesus teaches, and even feeds the crowd a gigantic dinner on the grounds. We'll even watch him as he walks on water. That's next time on the Jesus Stories. Join us in two weeks for that episode, the next Jesus Story. of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details